So. All right. Hi, everyone. Um, this is going to be season three um, kicking off. And I thought, what better way to do that than with a very old friend of mine who's just done something very cool. Um, so do feel free to go back and look through previous seasons, lots of interesting people there. Um, but without further ado, I want to welcome Chris Peskett um, to the show. And um, this will be the first time I've, I've actually had a chat with an old mate via this medium. So hi, Pekka. How are you doing? Uh, hi, I'm very good. Thank you. Um, little, little tired, obviously, but no, all good. And um, it is a bit strange, isn't it? Chatting with an old friend like this. Well, yeah, but, um, you know, we, we sort of catch up regularly on the phone and we chat about all sorts of stuff. And But this time we're just going to record it because yeah. you're tired for a particular reason. Um, and it's that kind of post-marathon fatigue we were just discussing. So uh, how, how are you feeling? Uh, well, very tired. I uh, It's a funny one. Um, you wake up the day after a marathon and it's sort of, okay and then as the day progresses it, it is i mean fatigue is the word isn't it because it's not just feeling tired it's it's feeling really really drained and obviously the sleep that i had last night gave me a bit of recovery but my body still needs a lot more recovery and i um i perhaps need to eat a bit more protein and do a bit more lying down and uh, hopefully i'll have a good night's sleep tonight but um yeah feeling feeling properly drained actually after yesterday Drained, but probably very satisfied. Uh, yeah, well, it's, a, it's that funny thing. I was, um, I wasn't really satisfied yesterday. It was just horrible. It was, it was, um, well, four hours fifty six was the end time, and um, I, I'm, I'm not sure how many marathons I've done. Probably, maybe twenty, and that's funny enough. That is the slowest I've ever done, and. Um, Oh, it's probably the toughest. I, uh, but I, I didn't. I didn't really enjoy much of it. It was um, the first half yesterday was alright, but it was pretty, pretty unenjoyable. Um, but afterwards, makes it all worthwhile. I, I got so much. Um, I've, I've had. We've got an awful lot out of all the messages that I've had, and um, I've had a um, load of messages today from people and um, more donations. Uh, so. I feel, I feel, I feel proud. I suppose I don't feel like it was any sort of major. You know, everyone's saying to me, "Oh, that's amazing. That's that's a major achievement. I could never do that." But I sort of don't feel proud because of that. I suppose I feel proud because I, because um, people are telling me that it's um, it's really inspiring and and things like that. So it's nice to nice to hear. If if a little. Awkward, I suppose. It's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? But um, uh, it's nice that people think those things. Well, the spotlight's on you, and 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 it was for a particular reason um, that um, for you know for people listening, they won't yet realise that you were the running poo yesterday at the <laughs> London Marathon, um, yeah. and for a particular reason which was actually quite personal. Maybe you could just tell us a bit mm. about it. Yeah. So. Um, a lot of people or some people will have will remember um Val Babe. Um that's um Deborah James, who's a, was a great friend of ours. Um her son was born two weeks before or after Holly, my eldest, who's fifteen. And um so Claire and uh, Deborah became great friends and we became great sort of family friends. 
Des Deborah's husband Seb um, became a mate of mine and he's a, a good friend of mine now. Um, and she were, she um, was diagnosed with bowel cancer over five years ago and um, was against the run of play because she was a 35 year old female vegetarian um, and those people shouldn't get bowel cancer um, according to the statistics um, and she became sort of the face of well she she became um, an ambassador for bowel cancer UK and um, raised loads of money um, I think it's about nine million pounds now and counting um, uh, and became a sort of cancer awareness campaigner and um, <laughs> it's a strange story but Last year, so the 2021 um, London Marathon, her, it was her 40th birthday um, the night before. And uh, she wasn't, you know, she knew she didn't have long to go, but it wasn't, it wasn't terminal back then. And she threw a, a, a fabulous um, dinner party um, and um, we, we all went along and I, I couldn't, um, I couldn't imbibe because I had the marathon the next day and we always used to talk about running. She was a keen runner. And last year, because I had my good for age place, which I had to use, I had decided just to run it in a suit. My knees had meant that I couldn't really train, so I wasn't going to go for it. And um, so I was running it in a suit last year, which I got lots of applause for <laughs> and was really quite, I was quite surprised that, what it was but anyway in talking to her the night before um she said I, I told her that next year i'll run it for her charity and she sort of well jokingly said you should run it as a poo so that's where it started and then sadly she passed away in june um and i just had to do it really um so i uh i got a place no more good for age places for me so i i got a place through Bowel Cancer UK, who were obviously very happy to to give me the place, um, and uh, yeah, it, it went from there. So I couldn't really get out of it, um, and I had said yes to it and everything, and registered and told everyone I was doing it. And it was only recently realised that I had to actually make a a costume because you you can't you can't freely buy poo emoji fancy dress costumes uh, online not not sort of proper ones you can buy the sort of cheap material things but that didn't sort of fit the criteria um so i had to make it and and that has that probably took 20 hours of my time probably more cost me a fortune really stressed <laughs> me out really out of my comfort zone and there was always this sort of panic that you know i'd turn up on the day with everybody expecting me to run in like running in a poo costume and it would just look rubbish um so i, I really i had a lot of sleepless nights <laughs> about it much more funnily enough much more than um about actually running a marathon you know i, I really qu quite a lot of times woke up and thought oh, what happens if it doesn't work and you have this vision in your mind of what you, what you want something to look like and then when you make it it doesn't look anything like that you know <laughs> <laughs> so but fortunately it did it looked all right i was quite pleased with how it turned out but it was a lot of a lot of pain to go through to to, to do it um so anyway yes i ran it in a poo emoji costume 
and um uh yeah it, it was pretty pretty horrid really um, <laughs> i wouldn't advise anyone do it <laughs> and i i did notice that you you also found a brown cap is that right just to cap it off yeah 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 i noticed i um yeah, I I noticed you messaged me yesterday about the brown cap. It's all in. It's the detail, isn't it? Um, in fact, I had um, I'd ordered a brown t-shirt as well, um, which would sort of help blend in. But they that, that never got delivered. And then I I thought, well, you can't really see too much of the um, uh, of of my top half anyway because it was covered by the costume, and I. I then wore my bowel cancer UK, but yeah, the, I think the cap was a nice touch. Um, it sort of just—I think it brought it all together, don't you? Yeah, no, I thought that was excellent. Um, yeah. You know, I, I didn't know you were going to do that, and and I've been following your your post, so I could see the right when the long kind of snake thing. Mm. I don't know what, what, what was that? I mean, it was like a padded long <laughs> thing, or no? So it was. Um, it was, you know, the the extractor fan um you know the back of a tumble dryer you get those vents those tubes yeah it was one of those that i'd bought from Screwfix, um and that was 12 meters of it uh <laughs> and then i'd um i'd wrap that in um a <laughs> hundred pounds worth of bubble wrap so i, I probably had three separate deliveries because you never know how you know how wide it's going to make it you know you buy whatever I bought 20 meters of bubble wrap you have no clue how when you wrap that around an extractor fan pipe how big you know how what what sort of girth that's going to create yeah. so I had to keep buying more till I got it to the right girth right proportions and then you and then I sort of curled it all up and and, and stuck it together um with three uh three rolls of gaffer tape as it happens <laughs> which is which is quite a lot. I think a roll, you imagine what a roll of gaffer tape weighs. So um, three of those, you know, certainly added to the um, to the weight. But it was pretty bomb-proof in the end. Um, yeah. Have you heard the expression? There's a, there's a expression about gaffer tape, which was which is that you can fix anything with gaffer tape. And if you can't, it's because you haven't used enough. <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> so, uh, yeah, so three three rolls and it did it did hold it all together um perfectly yeah but, and, um, but what about the brownness of it oh well that was um goldhawk road market so shepherd's bush market rather so i i bought um 12 meters of just cheap brown material and so i then so i, I gaffer taped it all together and then had to wrap it in in brown material um which uh, which seemed to work but um uh it, i had to waterproof it the night before as well actually because it, it was forecast for rain so that then had a it had a layer of um nick wax um waterproofing spray uh, right. uh yeah yeah but it because it, it was of course it was all plastic really being yeah bubble wrap so it was um it was quite a sweaty contraption uh because it, yeah, it so i gone as I say, it, I mean, it almost sounds a bit like um, like a barber, like a wax jacket by the end of it. Oh, um, well, yeah, but about, I suppose a barber or a, wa a wax jacket on around a plastic, you know, something plastic. So it was very, very impermeable. And actually, funnily enough, I um, 
So if you imagine it's like a, I mean, if people listening can imagine it's like a sort of a cone and it, it fitted really snugly around sort of my, just sort of my upper chest. And so there wasn't a lot of ventilation um, and the entire thing being plastic, it must have caught all my, all my sort of sweat and other bodily odours and excretions over <laughs> 26.2 miles. And um, it was bizarre because well, it was amusing because I, I got to the end and, you know, you know, the meet and greet area in Horse, Horse Guards Parade. And I had to get these two guys to lift it off me. So I could have put my arms up <laughs> and, and they had to grab it at the bottom and lift it right off. And honestly, this stench that came out with it, because <laughs> of course it had just collected all, all my, you know, all my odours. And uh, it was funny because these two guys weren't runners. They were just lads that had, were meeting someone. And one of them just said, cool, it's a bit fresh in there. <laughs> it was really embarrassing. I, I thought, um, well, I thought I might have lost control, shall we say, because um, yeah. that's how it smelt. It was bizarre. I suppose my 26.2 miles of farts and everything would have just sort of <laughs> gathered in there. Yeah, we're really compressed as well. I mean, maybe if there's scientists listening, they'll know more about this. So there's something about compressed gas, which... Uh, but, of course, the right. fact that, that you're dressed as a, you know, as a poo and, and the guys were effectively living a poo, lifting up a poo off you, you know, that, that might actually, you know, flavour it a little bit for someone. Well, it, one of the guys, one, one of my uh, running friends said it was like a... Um, like an immersive experience like like going for a, a heston blumenthal meal that you know it, it, it doesn't just look like it it also smells like it but yeah. um yeah it was peculiar but i i i realized at that point that i didn't need to bring it home with me so i i left it in horse guards parade and um i don't know whether it's been thrown away or whether it's sat there now just on its own as a, a giant as a giant turd yeah or maybe someone's wearing it um maybe well, someone tried it on they'd be pretty stupid i think if they put that on <laughs> it, it was it was it was utterly soaked and it was, it was horrible i mean i i i was very keen to get to get it off me and then the fact that i'd had it on for so long i i, I hadn't i hadn't connected with it it was <laughs> um, i just i didn't want it to be there anymore really <laughs> you, you rejected it at the end I did, yeah, yeah. But it, yeah, but, it but it it stayed the course, didn't it? Because what I saw you um, being interviewed, I think there was five miles to go at that point, and yeah. and it was all still intact. So you're you did use enough gaffer tape. Yes, well, funny that because um, I'd not I'd not trialed it. I'd I'd run on Tuesday night with this ridiculous um, bamboo cane and gaffer tape setup, um, and outside Craven Cottage Stadium, so 5K into a 10K run, it had snapped, and not before cutting a hole in my chest. Um, and so had I tried to run with like that on, on Sunday, it would have been just a disaster. So I then went and cannibalised an old rucksack and, and used the, the rucksack straps. So it worked really well, but I hadn't actually had a proper chance to road test it with the rucksack straps. And I spent the first half of the marathon worrying that um, it was going to fail 
and 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 there was one part in particular where there was it was like a plastic uh hook that was that was the weak point if you like and that was you know if that broke then that would be the end of it mm. um and so i was i was really concerned for the first um 21k or so that that would snap and i was sort of trying to hold it and and worrying because that would have been game over and then for the second half i was i was really desperately hoping that it might snap <laughs> <laughs> it would have given me the perfect excuse but it didn't it, it seemed to hold up fantastically well um and uh yeah yeah it, it got me around it was was um was actually quite good once i took it off i had to wait for claire and the girls to turn up and it was like a perfect um reclining seat to uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah so there, there you go that was the that was the poo yeah you saw that you saw the video then of of the interview yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah, well, I I managed to capture it on and, and video it and post it actually to to share around. Oh, you did, and, didn't you? Yeah, um, sure, yeah, yeah. And then there was obviously the appearance in the metro um, <laughs> as well, which which is great because that, I mean, essentially, you know, I know that you know you've you, you know you've been a serious marathon runner and and you know to run five hours, there's an element of that. But but actually, there was a purpose behind this, a, a much greater purpose, which you you know you stuck to and 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 achieved, which is which is magnificent. No, oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah, I, I was. Um, um, there was a purpose to it, and it's um, it, it, you know I, I got stopped by well, I, I got talking to a lot of people whilst running, who all remembered Deborah. Um, people were shouting from the um, from the. Um, uh, from the sides, they were, you know, go bow, babe. And, and, you know, I had a few people come up to me and say how inspired they'd been by Deborah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it made me feel like I was doing something um, really worthwhile, which yeah. which you don't when you go and run a fast marathon. Um, you know, there, there is a massive difference. And um, I think it's probably why people say the London Marathon is so brilliant, because so many people are doing it for a worthwhile cause of, of some sort, you know, right. and, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with running a fast marathon, but when you go to, I don't know, one of the, you know, I, I ran Abingdon, for instance, the, the Abingdon marathon. Um, it, that was when I ran my fastest, but it's just people running fast marathons. So there's nobody doing it for any great cause or mm. there's no emotion there. It's just loads of people, running as fast as they can yeah uh, so london is london is different because of that um you ran it didn't you? you you felt the same yeah oh yeah no absolutely and and you know having that purpose and i've you know as you know i've always had a purpose with with all the the runs that i've done that for me i mm. find that really really helpful because i'm not fast i suppose you could say and you've always encouraged me to run faster um but but I'm aware that if I push too hard, my body doesn't like it and it won't be sustained. Mm. Um, so I just keep it fairly easy and just just make sure I enjoy it. And part of that enjoyment is knowing that that hopefully there's some awareness being built or, or something else is being achieved through that through that journey. Well, I'd say you've probably got a point there, given that I'm the one that always tried to run fast and I'm the one who now can't run any further because of that. So I. <laughs> I'd say it's, it's a combination not. of factors, isn't it? I mean, this, I mean, the training you did for this, for this particular marathon, I mean, what, what did that look like? Um, right, yeah, I, I got, um, I, 
I'm quite pleased with how it, well with how it went. Um, I mean, I was terribly unprepared on, on yesterday, but but I was I was fit, and basically I avoided doing anything that put too much um, thumping on the knees, too much impact, and so um, probably since June, May, May, I have only have only run uphill. And um, which was great when we were away in in Italy, for instance, because you can you can find a hill, you know, you, you can you can drive to the top of the hill. And this is what I was doing. I was I was driving to the top of the hill with my bike, cycling down, and then running up to the van, and then driving back down. So you can you can run, you know, like quite easily. You can do fifteen hundred meters of vertical in two hours or whatever, which is I suppose eight kilometers. Um, so it's a proper hard, tough mm. workout, and no pain in your knees because all you're doing is running uphill. Um, obviously, running downhill would absolutely kill it because it, I don't know, it probably trebles the amount of pressure going through your knees. So that was good. Um, but then when you come back to the barns, you, you know the well, the highest hill around here is um, is forty two meters from. Um, you know, the dice art up Petersham Hill. Yeah, yeah. So I was um, I was doing that. Well, I, I was doing that uh, twenty two times and walk. So run up, walk down, run up, walk down, and I can do that twenty two times in about two hours and two hours and ten minutes. And that's a thousand meters of, of vertical. Um, and then you're walking down. Obviously, you can't run down because it's the same thing. But you don't get quite the same hit out of that because you're having a rest each time you know um but but to be able to go somewhere where you can just run um continually up a hill is um is is really good training and i think that's how that's what i will continue to do um i went to box did i tell you about when i went to box hill with four bikes no. uh, so four so box hill is a hundred and about 160 meters of vertical from the cafe to the top and um so i parked at the top and put my four bikes in the back of the van and then cycled down ran up cycled down ran up padlocked them and then did it you know and, and then went down picked them all up in the van went to the top did it all over again so i did eight i did seven times actually seven times up um up box hill which is 20 which is 21 kilometers. So I did a half marathon up Box Hill and then yeah. just freewheeling down. But it's the same thing because you get a rest in between. So the, the, the best is to, to be able to find somewhere where you can just go straight up. And I did the Three Peaks Challenge, for instance. So that's good. You get a thousand meters straight up each time. Um, but then I was, was doing a, a fair bit of rowing as well, either on the Erg or on the river or when we were in Italy, we did some. Uh, and that's really good because because uh, when you row it's like a it's like a deadlift a squat um so that's that's good but it doesn't put any pressure on it um uh, and then cycling which it, cycling is probably good it's good for your fitness but it doesn't really help you with running you know i i'm told that if you can if you're a good runner you'll be a good cyclist you know so any good runner like I did actually when I was fit running, I, I got on a bike and could keep up with 
people but mm. just because you're a good runner just because you're a good cyclist it doesn't mean you're a good runner but doing all those three together um it it really made me feel that i was strong as opposed to when i was just running you, you you're just good at running and you know so if let's say you have i don't know six hours a week to train i would just run because i just wanted to be better at running but um when you do i suppose it's like cross training isn't it but doing the the rowing the cycling and the running and, and the hill work um yeah it made me feel much more sort of all round all round fit and all round strong and and capable i suppose um so i'm going to do i'm going to do more of that um i'm going to do far less running because I, I won't be able to and just sort of take out that slack with more rowing and um uh uh and cycling yeah, uh, yeah, okay. and the, yeah, and the running will just be quality running, you know, in running up nice mountains and stuff, rather than just slumping around Richmond Park or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just in case people didn't pick up on on the reason why your training looks the way or look the way it did, and and what you're looking to do going forward, what why is that? Uh so um, I'd had uh, knee pain for some time and um i'd been pretty rubby i'd gone to physio just around the corner from me here and um i couldn't really i was doing exercises but not really doing it very well and then i just had a a, a scan and um it uh, it picked up that i've got arthritis in my knee joints just which is just from doing too much impact stuff and i know you have a slightly different view on this but uh, <laughs> uh, um, but he said to me oh you know we we don't tell you to stop running anymore but you shouldn't you shouldn't run as much and he used the analogy that i think i've spoken to you about which was the if the, the, if it's like a car tire the faster and the further you run on it or you you drive on it the quicker it wears out um so i um have just taken his advice and running much less but being careful because um I don't want the knees to give up completely because that will be problematic. Um, so it's just morphing from from running into something else, really. Yeah. Just another another midlife crisis type sport. <laughs> yeah, but but you know you've you've had a passion for running for for a long time, and I know we've had a lot of chats about this. Um, mm. You know, over the last sort of couple of years, I suppose. And and you know, I it's great to hear that you've found a way. Because being active, exercising, being fit is very important to you. I know um, mm. health reasons. Oh god, yeah. Because you feel better, don't you? And you, you you do everything else better. You know, being a parent and work and everything. Yep. Um, but but how's it been for you, sort of having to modify the running, which is which is really your passion? Um, do you know, what? I had about a day of um feeling sorry for myself about it, and you know, if every because. If, you, if you're telling someone that your knees are shot and you can't run anymore, you're normally telling a fellow runner or a fellow sports person. And so everybody's desperately sad for you. Um, and I had that from about a day of feeling sorry for myself. And I think it was, it was very close to Deborah dying. Um, and I just thought, this is ridiculous. I'm not, it's not like I'm, um, you know, kip joggy or something, you know, I, I do like it and it does sort of define me, but, but actually it's really not the end of the world because it's not, 
it's not actually necessarily the act of running that is so wonderful. It's it's the act of exercising and being strong and competing and feeling like you're I don't want to say not getting older because that sounds <laughs> terribly like a midlife crisis. It's it's all connected. It's it's definitely all connected. But um yeah, this it's just that that feeling and and I I'm sure I can replicate it with um, uh, with cycling. I've started doing that and done some long rides, and that sort of it, you know scratches that itch sort of thing. Um, and um, the rowing is the latest thing. And um, did I tell you I've, I'm doing a learn to row course at the moment? Mm, um, so right. yeah, so just just around the corner here um, in Kew, there's a, um, a rowing club, and I'm um, I've done three sessions now it's a six week thing and um, I'm rowing in a in a boat with seven others of all shapes and sizes and ages and um, I, I could quite easily see that become a, a a bit of a bit of an obsession um, and well I, th- I think probably I think any sport when you're 48 um, appeals to people who are a little bit obsessive which I suppose I I have to admit that I, I am a bit, um, and so whether it's being obsessive about running or, um, or, or, or rowing or, or anything else, I suppose it's um, it's just a different way of it manifesting itself. Um, yeah. So I, I think I think I'll be able to morph into it. I think it will give me what I what I want. Um, but it's um, it's at least it, if it is a midlife crisis, it's a good midlife crisis. Uh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely, well, I'm going to agree with you on that because I, I, you know, but um, you, you know what you've shown there—this flexibility, haven't you? The fact that you've kind of looked beyond running. Running was just a kind of a a means. You got into it as as is very easy to. You get into the club. You get into all the kit. You get into the vibe. You, you know, it was your fault in a way that I got into ultras because I remember coming to pick you up from um, race to yes. the in 2018. 18 i think it was 18. yeah yeah um and and got totally blown away with just the atmosphere there and then thought right next year i'm doing this um you you do you get totally whipped up by it and then you yeah. quite easily think this is the only thing but of course it it isn't and sometimes life you know presents you with a with a situation where you 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 have to you know think more widely on it and that seems to be what you've done yeah 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 i mean i if i if i didn't you know for instance if if i didn't have problematic knees i'd be uh, just continuing and and enjoying it but probably not probably getting a diminishing satisfaction um you you remember paul paul cheatham yeah yeah. um he he ran his so he's now might be 50 now but he ran his first half yesterday he ran he ran um, the first 21k in one hour 17, which is very good, um, <laughs> and uh, the second half in two hours three, um, because his hip just gave up with six miles to go, and he oh, had to walk. Really? And he he has, you know, he 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 now is at a point where running has you know defines him, and he doesn't know what to do because his body is just giving up. Uh, so he hasn't got anything to go into you know it is just running and because he's at that such a level it's going to be really difficult for him to um to find something else yeah 
Yeah, yeah so I mean, he... it's classic, isn't it? In in sport, the the preparation for the time, the inevitable time. There's going to be an inevitable time where you can't do either it or the way that you're doing it has to change massively. Either you you slow down, you do shorter distances, or or you do something else. But there's very little preparation. You always think, well, because it always seems in the future, and then suddenly it's there, and you're like, ooh, right now what? Um, yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I, I mean, I, I think I'll get satisfaction out of being a 48-year-old new to rowing who is who is quite good. You know, I'm sort of I'm sort of assuming I'll be quite good in inverted commas at rowing um, because I'm tall and I'm fit. So, you know, I think I'll probably get a couple of years of a slight novelty value of you know thinking that I'm really good. And then, I'll, you know, in, in a few years, I'll realise I'm not actually that good, but but I'm OK for my age. Do you know, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I um, and I, you know, I, I think if I turned 50 as a runner, I would definitely be less good than I was at 48 because that is just age catching up with me. But, you know, I, I can be 50 as a rower and um, I won't know if I'm worse or you know, than I was because I've only just started doing it. So um, I think it's I think it will be be quite good for me. But, um, yeah. And then if that doesn't work, I'll just I don't know maybe start swimming. That's, that's mm. the last thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but not golf. That's just not going to work. No. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. But mm. um, it sounds like there's an element of of learning in there as well, which makes it interesting. So you know you're going to have lessons to learn how to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is um, it's quite it's quite a thing when you're older. You know, it's um, can't really think the last time I learnt or someone taught me how to do something. Um, uh, and yeah, it, it is. I mean, it's 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 quite strange. But, you know, especially being in a being in a boat and and somebody saying, um, you know, keep your hips straight, roll roll your shoulders over your hips, and you have to actually translate that into what do I actually do because. <laughs> You know, I mean, you know, I can't remember the last time I had to actually think how to move my, you know, tell my body how to move in a certain way. And it's really weird, especially when you're on a river and, you you know, it's a bit choppy and you're panicking that you might do it wrong. Um, so, yeah, that, that bit is that bit is quite um, unusual and challenging. Um, but um, I, I, I'm hoping I can learn because I, I, think I'll, I think I'll get a lot out of it. Well, you're definitely going to learn something. And, and it's interesting you say about connecting with the body because so many people don't. But yet, actually, that's a fundamental part of being well is to know yeah. what your body's doing and to be in touch with it. And and also learning is so good. It's so good for us. And, you know, we can learn anything. Well, I say anything. We Many things we can learn right up, you know, up and into a, a ripe old age, so to speak. And, and keeping that freshness um, is definitely something that's recommended. Yeah. Well, I can remember many years ago now you doing some test where you 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 put some pin in me or something or no it was it was something uh, you were poking me on my back and I had to tell you where that was and it was yeah. it was miles off well in, inches several inches off where you where I thought it was so you don't know where you you know you, it's all that body awareness thing isn't it so um, yeah uh, trying to trying to do something like move your body is you know we've just done it naturally up until now and it is quite difficult yeah yeah cool cool i'm an old dog trying to learn new tricks you are indeed 
You are indeed. Yeah. But look, that's that's brilliant. And and again, massive congratulations for what you achieved yesterday. Um that's fantastic. But people can still donate, I think. Is that right? Oh yeah, they, they certainly can. Um if they uh if they go to um well it's it's in aid of the Baobab Fund, which um which donates funds to um uh Royal Marsden uh, Cancer Research and Bowel Cancer UK. Um and if they were to go to uh just giving uh and then it is a, it's a rather curious one just giving slash fundraising slash chris hyphen peskett p-e-s-k-e-t-t two and they can donate but um that might be a tricky one after that cool well i'll, I'll put the link on the um on the episode notes anyway so uh, thank you do that so that's um that's that's easy um, and I'll, I'll put a picture of you of you in your outfit so people can um, have an image of it that they might have as a screensaver or something. But certainly as an inspiration. Good. So, uh, Thank you. Listen, thanks for your time. And, Thank you. Uh, we'll catch up soon. See you, mate. Cheers. Bye.